Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 38 of the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is our weekly internet radio show talking all about USC Trojan football. This week on the podcast, we're going to talk about that game against Washington, the big blowout, 56 to nothing, upcoming matchup with Cal, and of course, the ever-popular BCS. If you have any questions for us, concerns, you want to drop us an email, do that at podcast at uscfootball.com. That is podcast at uscfootball.com. Our first segment, as always, we are joined by the coach, Harvey Hyde. Coach Hyde, how are you doing today? Ryan, I'm doing great, and uh, thank you very much for having me on again. 38 segments. I can't believe we've had that many. When you're having fun, Ryan, you know what? It doesn't even seem like a long season. No, it it doesn't hurt to talk Trojan football all the time. It was a little weird in March and February, but here we are now in the middle of the season, getting towards the end. It's a a lot easier to do that. Well, it's fun all the time, but if it isn't one thing, it's something else. We always find something to discuss. Yes, and we will that. And uh, If you guys need tickets this weekend, the best place to go, Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com is the website address. You can give them a call also on your landline, your cell phone, 1-800-888. 7287 if you have any need for tickets for concerts the theater and of course usc football homecoming last weekend now big matchup with number 21 or number 22 depending on which poll you're looking at with cal this weekend a 5 p.m game on abc coach you're gonna be going down the game right i'll be there ryan i'll be there when you ride your bike across to be on the um pregame show. I saw you last week over at the Coliseum. I said, do you really ride a bike over from campus? And you told me, yes, I do. And I said, that's great. I hope you chain it to a tree or something. Yeah, yeah. We're over there. Uh, We have our uscfootball.com tailgate party, and everyone's invited. uh, I'll give you guys a little information on that. We uh, have a big uscfootball.com RV in a trailer. We have six flat screen televisions, Coach. Can you believe that? Like All the games going on all day long. And uh, we're on 34th Street, just east of Truesdale. Truesdale's that main walk street down the middle of campus where uh, Tommy, Trojan's, Tommy Trojan is. Uh, so 34th Street is just outside of Levy Library. We have a huge grass area. And we, you know, we got a whole bunch of people come down there. We got beer and drinks and sodas and lots of stuff on the grill. So, Coach, you got to come by sometime and check out the tailgate. You know, I'm going to do that now. I wasn't aware of that, and I'm glad I brought that up because I'd love to come over and see those uh, games as we're waiting to go in and tailgating and so on. You can watch all the games that are going on. Yeah, it's great. Everyone checks out the games, all the big ones that are going on. And uh, I'm usually on the pregame show, and they have me live in front of the Coliseum, the Peristyle End. So I, I don't know, it's probably about a 15, 20-minute walk over there. So I borrow a friend's bike and just bike over there. It takes five minutes, and I can get back to the tailgate and get back to uh, – Talking football with everybody. A lot of uh, USC fans come out there. It's a lot of fun. It sounds like a lot of fun, and I suggest people do that. And I suggest people, you know, find out more of the opportunities that you have on uscfootball.com so that they become more familiar, you know? Definitely. It's a, it's a good idea, Coach. Thank you. Uh, I was listening to you this weekend. I, I woke up early on Sunday to uh, hear the Trojan Brunch, which uh, you are a big part of. 
And it was kind of, I, I think it'd be fun for you to share with some of the listeners here, kind of stuff you were talking about. I mean, it was a big win, obviously, over Washington, 56 to nothing. But there were some really interesting topics being discussed on the brunch. Well, yeah, we always try to, uh, these guys get me going, you know. They're, they're, <laughs> <laughs> these guys get me going, and we have a lot of fun, and they, they ask me questions that they know that uh, sometimes they know other people won't talk about. That's first of all. And then they ask me questions that they know that I'll probably disagree with them on. So uh, it gets to be a real interesting show. We have a lot of fun, and it's a great huddle to form every Sunday morning. And I'd like to invite people to call in or join us uh, on that show. That's 8 to 10 every Sunday morning on ESPN 710. Nice, yeah. And, uh, Coach, just, I guess, overall thoughts on that game. I mean, 56 to nothing, it's hard to really find too much fault in anything that was going on. It just, it, it just baffled me. The state of Washington, their football program could be this bad. 125 to nothing total. USC played those guys. I, I, I just can't believe how far a proud team like Washington has fallen. Well, you know, it's almost impossible to say it's just fallen. It's almost, you can almost say it's fallen because of design. But I mean, you can't be that low and, and, and not really, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, nothing against those young players that play there and so on. But it sort of reminded me of a Division two or a junior college program as far as the top grade junior college program. I, I felt sorry for them competing and playing before a, a sellout of their home, 37 players from Southern California on the University of Washington team, uh, to, to have that type of performance because really – at the end of the game, you know, USC was running the football and making yards. They knew they were going to run the football and so on. And it's really not fair to both teams. It's not fair to Washington to come into Los Angeles and be humiliated like this. It's not fair for USC as far as someone who's trying to play for a national championship and no one really respect the Pac-10 or respect the University of Washington that if you beat a team 56 to nothing and you go down in the polls. So that says what the nation is thinking of the Pac-10, and that's, and that's not good for the conference. It's not good for USC. It's not good for the respect of the Pac-10, what people think of it. And it's almost disgusting that one of the best jobs or top college football programs in America a few years ago under Don James, Jim Lambright, and so on, Rick Neuheisel, even when he was there, he took the team to the, to the Rose Bowl, can drop down and lose its tradition that they've had always at the University of Washington. We always used to say the dogs are coming. The dogs are barking. You better strap it up. You better get an extra tape job this week because it was that type of program. It all started under Jim Owens when he went there. And and to see it drop down like that, it's very uh, just it's embarrassing. And, and when I was there doing the pregame show on Saturday, one of their alumni players, one of the few that were at the game, had his W hat on, that's Mike Lansford, who played for me at Pasadena City College, who was the place kicker at Washington, and also uh, the Rams uh, was there. And to see these kids with this type of pride, you know, go to a game like that and watch their team, which they went to Rose Bowls and played for national championships and so on, and be at this level. And it's not good for the university. It's not good for the Pac-10. It's not good for the kids that play on these programs and have this happen to them or the alumni and the contributions and the morale of a university. And and it all starts at the top, right? And, and I was explaining this. It all starts at the top with the governor of the state 
It starts also with the trustees, the, 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 the president, the vice president, the chancellors, the faculty, the faculty rep, the athletic director. It all starts where they think it's important enough to have a great program. Now, they want a great program, but they've had a lot of turmoil at Washington. They've had three ADs over the last several years. They've had a turnover in coaches over the last several years. They thought by getting Tyrone Willingham and paying him $2 million, million a year or whatever they pay him, that that would just do it. No, it takes more than that. Uh, it takes support. It takes great recruiting. It takes great evaluation and so on to have that happen. If you look at their, you know, on yourrivals.com and so on, commit list, they've got, what, four players who have committed for this coming year? I mean, do you see improvement in their program? You have to see improvement in your program or you're not going anywhere. And this is why uh, Coach Willingham was terminated. You're willing to give coaches an opportunity. And I was a coach, and I know what's expected of me. If I'm making a million dollars a year or if I'm making $2 million a year, hey, i got to produce. If I don't produce, then I'm not getting it done, and I expect what's going to happen. So, you know, you've got to see improvement, and if, if teams improve, then you as a fan or booster, a parent, a president, an athletic director, you're willing to go along with the ride because you see a future. But if you don't see a future, and right now there is no future, the new coach that comes in at the University of Washington has got to start at the bottom just like Wolf is starting at the bottom at Washington State. It's not a two- or three-year process if you want to play for the Pac-10 championship. It takes longer than that, but you're not walking into a program that has any players, and it's going to be hard to recruit to. So it's going to be a very difficult job, but there's some names out there, players or coaches, that I think they can get it done. Yes, whoever goes there is going to definitely need some time. It does look like the cupboard's bare. I don't know if – I haven't followed their recruiting enough to know that if, you know, Willingham does like those kind of character kids, but you can't just fill your, your roster right. with all character kids and not have – you know, that aren't athletes. You need to get the, the athletes that are also character kids, and I think that's what's harder to find, you know? Yeah, yeah, and another thing, let me tell you, everyone wants character kids. Everyone, it's not just Willingham. You know, Willingham, he keeps getting this. I just take character kids. Hey, there's character kids at SC, at UCLA, at Stanford, at Alabama, at all these other great universities, okay? But, you know, you've got to have what I call the proper mix. You've got to have kids who are going to be doctors and lawyers. You've got to have kids who are going to be successful business guys. You've got to have guys, too, on your team that want to major in the NFL, but also are going to college and learning exactly what college is all about. It's a great experience. And they're going to want their kids to go to college because they had that opportunity. Just like our president, our new president now-elect, President Obama. He had that opportunity. And I think that's what college and that's what athletics brings to these young people. You grow up in college. You see meet and see different people from different walks of life. Athletics is a great experience for people. It was for me. I learned a lot in college. And I think that uh, that gives people a chance to, to, to learn from meeting other people, learning how to compete. As you hear Coach Carroll on all of his promotions on radio and television, just compete. Learn how to compete. Never give up. You'll find a way to get it done. All right, we're here with the coach, Harvey Hyde, joins us always on the Peristyle Podcast. 
All right, 56 to nothing. It's hard to take much away from that game. Um, the problem is, you know, you, you beat a team that badly. You could almost name the score. It wasn't as bad as Washington State where they just really rolled over. Washington kind of put up a little bit of a fight, but it just wasn't there. The BCS, USC drops two spots to number seven. Pete Carroll made a bunch of comments yesterday. I mean, the whole press conference was pretty much, even though Cal, big game coming up, the whole press conference seemed to be about the BCS more than anything. And Carroll's not been a proponent of it. I mean, he's really wants to see a playoff system. It seems like a lot of the players want that. A lot of the coaches want that. It's more guys on the administration side that do not. And uh, I I just want to kind of get your thoughts on this. I mean, he, he doesn't know what the criteria is. You know, it's kind of a combination of, the polls and some computer rankings and, and then spit out two names at the end. And these are the two that are going for the title. It's not really set up real well right now for USC and being in a weak conference. So I just want to kind of get your thoughts on uh, the BCS coach. And if, you know, as a former coach, would you be in favor of a playoff or are you more of a, a system guy? Well, let me put it to you this way. I'm sort of a traditional guy. Okay. What I would like to see happen. Now I can see arguments on both sides. Okay. There's some teams that lose early that are great teams at the end of the year and they never get a chance to play for the championship or the national championship. I can name you teams uh, that that's happened to. Currently now, the way it is, the way it is, is every single game is a playoff game. You can't afford to lose a game. And, and, and if someone wants to argue with me on this, they can. USC was the number one team in the nation, almost got every single vote at the first part of the year. Demonstrated how good they were as far as with their two victories against Virginia and Ohio State, stumbled at Oregon State. Since that time, they've come back, had very impressive wins over teams, uh, a so-so win at Arizona, but everyone could accept that as far as along the, the scheduling and so on. And if they would have maintained that, they would have right now been the number one team in the country. There's no question in my mind. Everybody agrees with that. Uh, I don't know anyone who would have lowered them down below one. Even if other teams are rolling along and playing well and so on, like Penn State's undefeated and other teams that are undefeated, Texas Tech is undefeated, they'd have still been number one coming after USC to see who was going to play them. And now along the way, when you talk about USC now controlling its own destiny, other teams are too. The Floridas, the Georgias, the Oklahomas, the Texas, the Texas Techs. Every game in the Big 12 right now, and every game also in the Southeastern Conference right now or other conferences are playoff games. You can't afford to lose. So basically, and this is what our argument was on Sunday morning, if that's what you were talking about earlier, is I think we already have a playoff system because every game means so much you can't afford to lose a game. You can't, you can't have a down week. You've got to be ready to play each week, or you've done it to yourself, and no one – SC has no one to blame but themselves in getting beat at Oregon State. They had everything going for them. They had it all there. They just needed to follow what they had. They knew the Pac-10 was down. They couldn't afford to lose anybody. They knew they'd put themselves in this type of situation if it happened, and it has. So now they're on the outside looking in, while other teams now are, are competing for that one and two spot. Now, yet, is that fair? No, it's not fair. But that's the current system we have going right now. Now, I would like to see us. I would like to see us go back to the traditional, the traditional bowl games, which means every single year, no matter what ranking you are, if you're the Big Ten champion, you're going to the Rose Bowl. 
If you're the Pac-10 champion, you're going to the Rose Bowl. And if you're the Big 12 champion, you're going to the Orange Bowl. If you're the Southeast Conference champion, you're going to Sugar Bowl. If you're the ACC championship champion, you're going to the Orange Bowl. Whatever that arrangement could be. And then after all of those games, have a group of individual coaches that know football as well as athletic directors and people. You can mix in writers and everything else, whatever that committee would be, to have one more game. Have that one more game on a Monday night when Monday night football is over with, or have that game the bye week of the Super Bowl where these two teams play for the national championship. Now, there's only one way you're going to get that done. You aren't going to just take and spread that money, which could be $250 million. I think that's the number that it would be around. And you share that equally with every single member after expenses with every Division I college football program in America. Now you would get college presidents to vote for that. Why? Most athletic departments are broke or barely making their budget. And some schools know they'll never make that type of game. Now that's, of course, after expenses and maybe a little extra to the teams or the conferences that those two teams come from. And there'd be a lot of money there available, but there's about 119 teams that play Division I college football. So I would like to see that. I don't want to see an 18 playoff because, first of all, I don't think young people should have to have additional games like 15 or 16 games. Right now, currently, teams are playing 12 games and another championship game in some conferences to make it 13 games. And if a team had to play 16 games, that would be the same as having an NFL season. So there's still student athletes, and there's always that opportunity where somebody could re-injure themselves or something could happen to them. Now, on the other side of it, if that didn't happen, I had a bookmaker on one of my shows this week from Las Vegas, and I was talking to him, and we were looking at the rankings, and I said, tell me honestly, because I put SC sixth in my poll. I said, I have them sixth, but if they were to play anyone above them on a neutral site, what would be the odds on the game? I said, would they, I feel they'd be a favorite in every game on a neutral site. And you know what he told me? What is he that? said they would be. They would be the favorite at every, every game against Florida or Penn State or Alabama on a neutral field. So they would be the favorite. Now, maybe not a big favorite, but they would be the favorite as far as the bookmakers look at it. That's because of... USC, the tradition, the respect that they have for their program, and they are a big one-game team. They can beat anybody at the big game. So they've got to learn, USC's got to learn that every game is that big game. But the last three years, they've had one of those games that have killed them. But there still could be the best team in the country, yet they might not have that opportunity to, to be in that position because of what happened to him in Corvallis. Yeah, and I, I think that's why Pete Carroll does like the playoff system. And it's, you know, I think he's there's a lot of parts of him that kind of still have there's this NFL grasp to it. And it's, you know, in the NFL, you don't need to win week three. You know, if you lose a game in week three because you just overlook it, it doesn't matter because you're going to make, you know, if you're a good team, you're going to beat those other teams and make the playoffs. Obviously, college is a lot different. And the USC position right now, with the Pac 10 being the way it is, and the perception of the Pac-10, it's really going to kill them. I mean, they have absolutely no room for error. If you look at Florida's loss, 
That was a home loss to a not-so-good old Miss team. Very similar. I think it would be similar to what you could say, say about Oregon State. But because of the conference they play in, it, you can. It's almost NFL-like where you can recover in the SEC. You can recover in the Big 12 because of those powerful teams that are in those conferences. You can beat a couple of those in a row and get back up and be everyone's favorite for the national championship again. USC doesn't have that luxury anymore. And it, I think it's baffling to Trojan fans. And you can even see it just on campus and walking around, Coach, like on game day. After that loss, there's a hangover that is still over the program. I mean, you can still tell that no one can believe that they lost to Oregon State. I mean, how many wake-up calls do you need? You know, you're going to lose to UCLA. You're going to lose to Stanford. And then and then all of a sudden, I mean, losing to Oregon last year was, uh, that was not, there was no disrespect in doing that. Oregon was on fire at that time. But Stanford, uh, Oregon State this year, it's just not, it's not the same. And until, I mean, there's no way USC can win a national championship unless they go undefeated just because of the landscape of the Pac-10 right now. You're exactly right. So knowing that, then you must play up to your abilities, coach up to your abilities, because that, realistically that loss at Oregon State was not just on the players, it was on the entire program. It was a game that uh, was played on a Thursday night. I don't know how much scheduling had to do with it, because uh, they had played on two Saturdays, and they have a bye, and then they have another bye, and then they play on a Thursday, and then they have days off. where it threw the rhythm off of the team. You like to play when you're playing well. And I knew that Oregon State was going to be a very difficult team to play on the road up there. They've always had problems doing that. So you would think that you would show up and coach up and do what's necessary to win that type of football game. But uh, I hate to say it this, but you learn the hard way. And SC has learned the hard way the last couple of years. And it's really too bad because these great athletes deserve more. Yeah, but yet they put themselves in this position. Uh, we're talking about it. They're talking about it. And I agree with you on campus and at the games. People are still feeling that way. And if you notice the drop-off in attendance, I don't know if you noticed that, but I watched that from 92,000 to 84,000 to 80,000, not because it isn't a great, great game, but because of who they're playing, 40-point favorites, the threat of rain, all of these things give people a reason why not to go. And and that's not the real feeling that should be there. No, you're right. And it's it's a little disheartening and I it just you're the players do deserve uh more than this. I mean they really deserve to make a to get a shot at a national title again and it's just it kind of just adds into everybody's, you know, the national perception that the Pac Ten's weak. It's it's so strange that just USC has no room for error and they have to win all of those games to move on. Uh, it, there's, there's a funny uh, there's a funny article this week came out from Yahoo Sports. Uh, Dan Wetzel wrote this. I'm not sure if you saw it, Coach, but he kind of, it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek piece about USC just recruiting the heck out of everybody and and killing the Pac-10 by not giving them, by not allowing any of the, the top athletes to go to other schools except for USC and then that makes the Pac-10 weak. And I mean, he wasn't being serious, and there was people actually on our uscfootball.com message boards kind of debating, you know, that this isn't really what was happening. I don't think he was serious that it's, you know, that you only have 85 scholarships. You can't take everybody. Yeah, USC gets, and the kids in California, you know, they might get seven of the top 10 kids in the state, and one might go to Notre Dame, and one might go somewhere else, and not leaving that many 
of the top kids for the rest of the Pac-10. But it was it was just kind of like a share the wealth thing that's been you know we've been talking about with the election. It's more of a kind of tongue in cheek piece. But do you see USC recruiting so well and the rest of the Pac-10 not recruiting as well as being you know USC's fault that the rest of the Pac-10 is bad? Absolutely not. Uh, whoever would write that article, uh, I don't know. Uh, he had to be. It was it was tongue in cheek. It was tongue in cheek. It had to be yeah. joking. Yeah. Because every school has the opportunity. You can never tell a team, hey, because, you, you know, uh, you've got to slow down your recruiting or it's not fair. Then that's get a little bit ridiculous. Every school has their opportunities. Every school has the same rules, regulations, ac- academic uh, availability for all these student athletes. There's enough student athletes to go everywhere. But you have to have something to offer. And you have, some, have to have something to why to make someone want to go to play for that coach or play in that system or play with those players or, or, or so on. And right now, SC has that going. They don't get every single five-star player in America. They've had to work hard to build up USC's tradition and bring it back and the reputation that USC has to get those. UCLA is now starting to attract those type of athletes. They just got a commitment yesterday or day before from – this great defensive end, UCLA, out of Las Vegas. I believe his name is Graham. He's a great player. I mean, everyone in the country wanted him. And they got a big tackle a week ago out of Hawaii, another great player. I think, I think that with the improvement of the UCLA program, and now there will be some improvement in the Washington program, but it will take a lot of time. Oregon's program is always very competitive. You always want to show up when you play Oregon State because of Riley getting his players ready to play and, they are an angry bunch of kids up there, and and I think they do a great job. And let me tell you, Jim Harbaugh is doing a great job at Stanford. I, I'm going to tell you, I mean, if it isn't Pete Carroll as far as coach of the year, I'd make Jim Harbaugh coach of the year. He's surprised everybody. I think he really has, and he's got a great recruiting class coming in for next year. The only thing people got to watch there, if something doesn't happen back in Michigan soon, he'll be going back there. But i tell you, Stanford's making some great increases in their program. I think Stanford is going to be a force in a year. I think UCLA's going to be much better, and, and we hope other teams are too. Do you see that there's not the same level of commitment in the Pac-10? Yeah, I don't think it's just – USC can't take all the kids from nine guys. I mean, there's Never. kids going to Mountain West schools. I mean, US, the, the Pac-10 is doing terribly against the Mountain West. They're getting – you know, there's still a lot of athletes just in Southern California and California alone that provide – you know, athletic talent for most of the Pac-10. Do you think it's more of a, a the, they're not as dedicated, they're not hiring the, the bigger name coaches, they're not working as hard. I mean, they're not flying out for the East Coast games until the night before and then have to wake up at 9 in the morning and, and, and get spanked. That's the Cal over Maryland type of thing happening. And Oregon did the same thing when they went to Purdue. They flew out the Friday before. I mean, is it just kind of a lack of dedication, lack of good coaches? What else do you think it is? No, it, uh, there's, there's great coaches out there and, and so on. It's just, um, you know, uh, getting the right player and putting the right combination of players together and having the administration support that you have to have and get it done. Uh, you know, there are some jobs that are better jobs in the Pac-10 as there are in the Big 12 and in the Big 10 and, and everything else. And there are traditional powers that are there every single year. Um uh, uh, you can win at these others. Mike Price won it. Dennis Erickson won at Washington State. I'm going to tell you, a few years ago, Washington State, man, you couldn't. That was not a give me game. That was not a give me game. O- Oregon State is not a give me game. Oregon is not a give me game. You know, and they've lost a couple of quarterbacks. You know, this year, which has really hurt the Pac-10. Almost every team 
in the Pac-10 this year has had quarterback problems. Look at UCLA. They lost theirs in, in spring practice. Look at Oregon. They've lost two. Oregon State's lost a quarterback or two. Uh, Washington uh, has lost their quarterback. Washington State has had a bang up of quarterbacks and play quarterback that can't even pass the ball. They're afraid he'll get hit. I mean, the Pac-10 this year has really been hit with with a lot of injuries. Even Mark Sanchez got hurt in camp, fall camp, and possibly may have missed the season. So, you know, the Pac-10 this year uh, has uh, had a down year because of a lot of injuries and also because maybe a lack of proper recruiting that's necessary to, 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 to win. And, and you can't take and blame SC for doing a great job like you that supposed article was. SC right now is the place that great players want to go because great players get better every day at SC when they practice against great players. At other universities, you don't get better except on Saturday. And you don't know really what it's like to go against a great player. So, you know, SC deserves every single thing it has. And I think that right now everyone's just disappointed because they should be a national championship team in that category, but they aren't because of their mix-up or their screw-up or whatever you want to call it. And that makes it very difficult on everyone, from the players to the coaches, to the fans, and even to the media that write about it. It's very frustrating because everybody wants to go down to Miami, okay? Everybody wants to travel down there and enjoy all those festivities, including the media and the broadcasters and everyone else. But right now it doesn't look like that's going to happen. At least I would say that yet, as I said earlier, if you put SC against any team ranked above them in a one-game situation on a neutral field, they would be the favorite. Yep, I agree with you, Coach. I'd, I'd love that trip down to Miami myself, but it looks like maybe a fourth straight Rose Bowl is a distinct possibility. Well, Coach, we're out of time, unfortunately. Thank you very much for sharing your thoughts, and we'll see you out there at the uh, game this weekend. You're right, buddy. Thank you very much. All right, everyone else, if you need tickets for the game, don't forget to check out Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com. Well, coming right up, we're going to talk to uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Weike more about this BCS mess and the upcoming game with Cal. The Peristyle Podcast will be back after this short break. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's one 800 888-7287 or visit us on the web at sctickets.com SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater Hey USC Trojan fans to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball and recruiting news Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis recruiting updates and will answer your questions every day on the message board so for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. We now return to the Parastyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back, Trojan fans. It's our second segment of the Parastyle Podcast. And as promised, we have with us uscfootball.com beat writer, 
Dan Waikie. Dan, what's up, buddy? How you doing, Ryan? I'm good. Excellent, excellent. You in the car, huh? I'm on my way right now to Howard Jones Field. Awesome. Uh, daily so, trip. Daily trip going to uh, check out football practice. There was a lot of talk uh, this week. We don't really need to discuss the uh, Washington game since that was not, <laughs> not, not much of a contest. But there's a lot of talk this week. And I think we were talking in the car a little bit earlier today where uh, some of the people on the radio were talking about how Pete Carroll was up in arms about the BCS and this was terrible. But you, you kind of had a different impression. He, Pete Carroll's no fan of the BCS, but you kind of had a different impression from the uh, press conference. Can you share that with us? Yeah, I mean, it's more just helplessness. It's it's something where, I mean, I think he knows that it's nothing that can be fixed overnight. And I think that, you know, it's also nothing new. I mean, it's the same things we've heard from him in the past where, you know, where he may, at the end of the season, after all the regular season games are played, all the conference championship games are played, PKL might very well coach the best team in the country. That's, uh, you know, you, you could have made that argument last year. I think certainly he'll be able to make that argument this year. Now, does that mean that they should be in the national title game? Or are you looking for the team who's had the best season, who's had the best wins, who's, you know, from start to finish, you know, more consistent or, or done better things with the games on their schedule? Is that that should be, you know, in the national title? They're not always the same thing. You know, more often than not, actually, they're probably two different things. And I think, you know, Pete has a little confused as to what, um, I mean, this is what he said, at least, that, you know, he doesn't know what it takes to get there. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think I would say what it takes probably to get there from looking at the BCS is that you need to play quality opponents and you need to beat quality opponents. Now, if you're in the Pac-10 and you don't have that option that that often this year, you have to make sure you don't lose. And Lissy didn't do that. Probably not going to be in the national title game. I mean, it, it's pretty cut and dry to me. I, I think, you know, is the system perfect? Of course not. Is it flawed? Of course it is. But, I mean, you know, if you were to go to the playoffs, you know, tomorrow, we'll say, and it was a, a four-team playoff. We'll just say if it was that, would USC even make the four-team playoff right now? I think you'd have a hard time putting them in. Even though I think that they are probably the best team in the country, I think if you looked at the other things like who they've played and, and stuff like that and qualities of wins, it's, it would be hard to take a team that isn't undefeated from the Pac-10 and put them in with those four best teams in the country. Now, if it was an 18 playoff they would be in, the team number nine would have a legitimate threat. So, I mean, the system is, unless you open it up to everybody, I mean, literally everybody, there's going to be somebody angry. And I think, you know, if you look even at basketball, like, you know, the, the 65-team tournament, every year there are six or seven teams who feel like they should have in who aren't in. And, and it's really, it's, it's just part of, I guess, the thing. Now, do I think it's stupid that college football doesn't end with a championship game that really means something? Well, yeah, of course they do. I mean, I mean, I think pretty much everybody thinks that's stupid. I don't think it's a big surprise. I haven't heard a coach ever be like, I love the fact that we're going to go to the Meineke Car Care Bowl. I've never heard a coach say that. No, I, I, think, you know, bowl, like, I think a lot of the, the, the players are fans of the bowl system, and I still am. I mean, I do like the bowls. I think it's a great way to reward kids. They get their backpack and a watch or whatever all that kind of stuff is. But like you said, I, I think you can keep the, the bowl system mostly in play and have some kind of playoff and and decide what was going to go on on the field. But I, I think with Pete Carroll, you know, obviously he's a great coach. He knows what he's doing. But he's trying – it's almost like he's putting a sales job in with, uh, you know, saying every game's a championship game. I mean, he's 
playing like a terrible, terrible. I don't know if I've seen a worse Pac-10 team than Washington State. And then all of a sudden Washington comes along. You know, you, you can say that every game's a championship game, but they're not. And uh, you, you just can't and you can't afford to lose or even look bad in those type of games and expect the rest of the country to take it seriously. The rest of the country has no respect for the Pac-10. It doesn't matter what he says that he thinks the Pac-10 is tough, top to bottom or whatever. I mean, that just doesn't matter. You have to take care of business. And I think what's frustrating for Trojan fans is that they haven't the last three years. And it wasn't you can live with an Oregon beating USC last year because Oregon was a really good team. Or you can live with Texas beating USC in the Orange Bowl. I mean, in the uh, Rose Bowl. I mean, obviously, you know, very good team, a lot of talent. But losing to the Stanfords and the UCLA's and the Oregon States of the world, I think that's tougher and tougher to stomach for Trojan fans. And I think we're seeing that this year. The the attendance has kind of dropped a little bit since that game. They're kind of like, oh, same old thing again. Yeah, no, I mean, the fact that it happened so early in the season, I mean, obviously it was a packed-on opener. I mean, that, that hurts, obviously. I mean, that kind of you're behind the eight ball, you know, from to begin with. But, I mean, like, let's look at, like, let's look at these last four games here, all right? What would USC have to win by uh, to, to get into the national championship game? I mean, would if they won their next four games by 600, I think, would that get them in? Probably not still. You know what I mean? Because, like you said, they had that loss. It's the loss that sticks out it's, it was to, well, albeit not a, not a bad team. I think Oregon State, I think it's safe to say that they're not bad. Um, they're certainly not at USC's caliber, though. And, I mean, I think, again, that, you know, fans who ask questions about why does this keep happening, I, I think are right to ask those questions. You know, I mean, Pete Carroll has said the reason why he thinks this team lost to Oregon State was because they did not handle the hype that came along with playing Ohio State. And he didn't handle that, that he was worried about the game when he saw the schedule. And that's all fine and good. But, I mean, like, that doesn't necessarily explain Stanford. It doesn't necessarily explain what happened at UCLA. Um you know, it's just like like you said, it, it's really a frustrating scenario when you think you're the best and still, you know, come, oh, God, when do they play the national championship game? Like February 15th now? <laughs> I feel like it's like, just, um, you just know, after but I mean, the like, Super come Bowl, like yeah. that, that first weekend of January and you're watching, you know, two teams play that you probably think you're better than. And that, I mean, I feel like it could happen. It'll probably happen again this year. It's almost like, there, I think I brought this up with Harvey High, too. Some of that NFL, just residual effect of the NFL is there where you don't have to go. The Patriots going 16-0, obviously that hadn't happened. You know, a team hadn't gone undefeated since 1972 or whatever with the Miami Dolphins. But you don't need to do that. I mean, you can go 13-3 and and be dominant, you know, in the NFL. Really be a dominant type of team. And then if you make a good run in the playoffs, then you can win the Super Bowl. It's just different in college football, and I, I, I think it's a better problem to have. Like, there's certain coaches that got the rap of never winning the big one. Um, I mean, yeah. Pete Carroll wins every big one. It's getting up for all the little ones. He's got to figure out a way to do that. And I, I, I think if you have a problem, I'd rather have that one because it seems like it would be a lot easier to, to beat an Oregon State or a Stanford than it is to beat an Oklahoma in a big bowl game. It might be easier to correct, but it, um, it's certainly not easier to stomach out of the for fans. I mean, it, those are the games that really nudge, or the ones where you feel like you should win. And not only that, but not, you know, not only is it a loss, but it's a loss that ultimately costs you pretty substantial hardware. I mean, and I, I think that you know is is really difficult. 
But, I mean, yeah, I would think that it wouldn't be that hard to figure out. But, I mean, Ryan, you're at practice, I'm at practice. I mean, people who listen to Pete Carroll speak know that this is a guy who believes very firmly in his plan. And if he does not have um, – he, do, he doesn't like to deviate, honestly, from, from their system, from what they do. He, he likes to have that kind of structure. Um, you know, his players have, you know, clearly bought into that structure. But I think maybe part of it is when you, like you, like you said, when you try to, to convince, you know, 18 to 21-year-olds that playing Ohio State on national TV in front of everybody and their best friend is the same as going to Oregon State and playing. I, I think it's difficult. I think it's hard to get that message across always. No, I agree with you on that. It's it's. I guess it is frustrating for the fan base to see. And, and that people ask us questions about, well, what was practice and stuff like? And I think the frustrating part is you could look at practice and not really tell, you know, it's hard to tell sometimes. Like, I don't think they had a great yeah. week of practice heading into Washington. They they just, look, I mean, they had that, that stunt. It didn't look like they were taking everything all that seriously. And then, you know, to me, I felt there could be some sort of letdown there. And maybe, you know, maybe there could have been, but Washington was just so bad. They didn't rally around their, their coach that's on their way out. Who knows? But they, I mean, Washington didn't put up any fight, and USC just rolled them. But that wasn't a great, you know, week of practice. And you, I think you talked about this before the Oregon State game. You know, you asked them, why wouldn't you want to use the motivation of losing to them two years ago or playing them tough the, the, the year before? It seems like that would be logical to use that as motivation, but that's not part of his master plan. And, and they didn't, and they came out so slow, and everything worked out against them, and they, they just didn't win. Yeah, it's sort of like it's sort of like that thing that, you know, I mean, players know it's there, but I think when, I mean, like, for talking to some players, you know, I, I'd asked, you know, Julian Wallace, for instance, about this. And I, I'd asked them before the Oregon State game, you know, I mean, like, you know, is that going to be, is that loss going to be in your mind at all? He's going to be like, I remember what it was like to walk up the field, you know, and, and after we lost, and, and I, you know, I don't want to feel that again. And, and, and then there's certainly that aspect of it, and I think players, some players, you know, really do use that stuff. And, and I thought, you know, again, I, I've said this before, I'll tell you, I thought Bealey played well against Oregon State. I know some people don't think that, but I thought he played well. And I think, though, when, when it's there and you don't acknowledge it, it it's kind of like a weird feeling. Like, I mean, I don't know. Have you ever been in a room with somebody who's doing something, like, ridiculous, disgusting? I'm, I'm not counting the times you've been in a room with me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, like, you know what I mean? It's like, like, how awkward does it get if you don't say, seriously, you shouldn't do that? Like, or if, if you just let it go ignored, you just ignore it and, and you're trying to be, like, it, it gets awkward. And I think that there's some aspects of that with this where by not acknowledging it, I think it got a little awkward. I think they went up there. I, they certainly didn't react to, to Oregon State starting quick. And, you know, it was the same thing again where, you know, they finally put together a, a good quarter. I, I mean, they played well in the third quarter, played okay in the fourth quarter, did, did some good things defensively. But, I mean, you know, they, they put themselves in way too big of a hole. And ultimately, it's going to be a game that probably cost him a spot in the national championship game. Now, why wouldn't you use – this is where I'm confused, but I don't know. PK is probably a lot smarter than me. But um, why wouldn't you want to use that come next year when you're in a similar situation? Let's say next year when Stanford comes to USC. And if Stan, let's just say hypothetically Stanford is awful. 
next year, okay? And USC's undefeated. Why wouldn't you use that to say, you know what, you guys want to win a national title. You have to win this game. We've let down in this circumstance before. Let's not do it again. Yeah, it, it would I, make sense. You, you'd think you would, but, you know, he has his own way, his own system, and you keep thinking every year, like, okay, last year, okay, there's no way you're going to have another Stanford debacle. And right away, boom, you crush Ohio State, and the Oregon State game comes around. And, yeah, it is – I mean, we can see it on our message boards. You can see it on the tailgates and stuff. It's just there's not the same kind of buzz around campus as there was before that Oregon State game, no matter how many shutouts they have in a row. I mean, they could come and shut out USC's Cal. Irrelevant. Yeah, yeah USC is irrelevant at this point in time, nationally. It is. That's how I feel about it. It is, and uh, yeah. it's frustrating uh, for, you know, the whole Trojan Nation, the whole Trojan fans. We can feel it, you know, when we're talking to them. And, yeah, so it, it is a little annoying. Well, let's look for that Cal game. Let's look a little ahead to that. Um, you heard the Tedford press conference. What kind of stuff did uh, good old Jeff Tedford say for uh, the Cal Golden Bears? Well, it's like Kevin O'Reilly's going to play. Um, he suffered a mild concussion in California's last game, and, uh, you know, he appears to be back. Um he did not practice Tuesday, but they don't think it was anything too serious. And then, obviously, you know, he talked about that the two things that they're going to have to do to, to win this game, really, are they're going to have to force turnovers, which they've been incredibly good at this year. I think they have 17 interceptions. And they're going to have to run the football. And they've got talent and talent of running backs. Led, obviously, by Javi Best, who is just a phenomenal player. The guy who torched my Michigan State Spartans earlier this year. Um, just a great, great runner. And, you know, Pete Carroll compared that a little bit to Joe McKnight with his kind of a big play explosiveness. And, and, I mean, I think, you know, when Joe was on, I mean, he's such a game changer. So and you have to you have to scheme for him. I think the Trojans are probably forced to scheme for best and have to try to stop, figure out a way to stop the run, which is what they always do. But I think even more so this week, it's going to be a big thing. All right, what about the uh, quarterback situation? I mean, it, I mean, Longshore was in. It was out. Like, what's going on there? I mean, by all accounts, I, you know, I, that's going to be Kevin O'Reilly is, is my understanding of the situation. I, I haven't heard any anything 100% definitive on it as of yet. It might be something, you know, we can definitely check back on USCfootball.com over the next few. Uh, you like that plug, by the way? It was seamless. Yeah, very. And, uh, you, <laughs> and uh, you check back. I mean, that's something that I'm sure will be discussed, you know, as the week goes on. Um, no one can take care of the public career for both of them, but I think, you know, judging from what um, Carol had to say yesterday, I think he feels like it's going to be Kevin O'Reilly. That's who they're preparing for. And they think Kevin O'Reilly is a little more dangerous because he can use his feet. Uh, well, it's funny. Tedford is a guy, back when Pete Carroll first came to USC, back in the early 2000s, he was a guy that seemed to know Carroll best. And he seemed to give Carroll fits a little bit. Um, his offense, you know, Cal did upset USC. Uh, and then, you know, early on, like five years ago or so, and it seemed to play USC tough, but Tedford's kind of fallen on hard times. Like, they've looked good in some games, but not necessarily against USC. It's almost like people started talking about Tedford being the one guy in the Pac-10 that kind of figured out Carroll's defensive schemes and had his number. And it's almost like Carroll did, like, put a lot of focus on not letting Cal uh, have success. I don't know if, if you talked to any of the players or, or any of the coaches about this, but it, Tedford was a guy that people originally talked about really knowing Carroll. And, and since that happened, like he's really been getting his, his butt whooped by Carroll. One of the things that I think has come up is obviously it's become a rivalry game. There's no question about it. Um, you know, especially 
because Cal has been good, um, you know, over the past five or six years. They've been pretty. They've been a pretty solid program. I think another thing too that's interesting, and this came up a little bit in the press conference, was that you know Tedford's been known primarily as a quarterback kind of guru. Um, and when you look at guys like Aaron Rodgers and and uh, I'm blanking on other quarterbacks they've had. Yeah, they've like had a, good quarterbacks. When he was at, at Oregon, he had guys like Akili Smith and stuff like that. Yeah, they like he's been kind of known as a quarterback guy. Well, when you look at the talent they've had over the last five or six years, it hasn't been really quarterbacks. It's been running backs. They've had really, really good running backs. J.J. Arrington, Marshawn Lynch, Javi Bass. I mean, they, they've been very good there at that position. And I think, you know, obviously what our P. Carroll's defense is built to do first and foremost, stop the run. And I think that that might be part of the reason why things maybe been as more lopsided is that they haven't gotten the same level of quarterback play that they had gotten when they had Aaron Rodgers with, you know, with uh, Nate Longshore and Kevin Riley. Those guys have been a little up and down. I think that's probably been the biggest reason why um, you haven't seen these games be closer. That being said, I mean, I, I fully expect this to be a good football game. I mean, would, would a USC blowout shock me? No, it wouldn't at this point. Um, I think a loss would be surprising. But to see this be a close game, more so in the Arizona kind of mold of things wouldn't be terribly, terribly shocking. What do you think the focus has been like this week? Uh, I mean, just the press conference, it didn't seem like they talked about Cal all that much. It was mostly about the BCS. And there's some questions came up on the message board this week. Is USC overlooking Cal? I mean, it's hard to look, overlook the toughest team left on your schedule. But is that, do you think that's what's going on right now? Uh, that's more just media fatigue, I think. To be honest, at this point, I think that, you know, like we said, this is a game between two ranked opponents. I mean, both teams are ranked in the top 25, and I still think that it doesn't really have any traction because of kind of the national opinion of the Pac-10 and just really what people just think is a pretty mediocre football conference. And I think that that has had more to do with anything than, I mean, more to do with this than anything else. I mean, you look at, I mean, it's not very sexy right now to talk about a a marquee Pac-10 matchup because, I mean, it's just not fun to talk about the Pac-10, really, as, as a whole. I think that's kind of the vibe I've gotten from other reporters. And that, you know, I mean, you look at the BCS and, and you know, Pete Carroll winning, um, you know, 56 nothing and having his team drop two spots. And I think people feel like that they were going to get a more interesting answer about the BCS. I mean, that's, that's kind of my take on that. I, I don't really think that that reflects where the team's focus is. I mean, I think Pete Carroll, you know, at least when it comes to the media for the most part, is pretty honestly he's a coach. You know, he's made certain things that he doesn't really necessarily mean. But one thing I know that I'm almost 100% sure that he means is that I really don't feel like he spends any time talking about the BCS with his players. I, I, I really believe in what he says that, that, you know, that that's the furthest thing in their mind. That at this point in time anyway, I think players, are, players realize that if they have any shot, of doing anything significant in the postseason, they have to win out, and and that starts with Cal. It's uh, at least Pete Carroll does know how to say BCS. Where if you I don't know if you heard Joe Pa talk about from Penn State, he's like I don't know if it's BSC or BCS or whatever. He had a Dude, he had a pretty funny. All, Pa's, I, all I want to do is Joe get Pa's ready like for Iowa. Years old. He is, <laughs> but number three in the BCS. I know, right? How about that? It's it's a little bit different. <laughs> Uh, Dan, I wanted to switch gears a little bit. There was a request um, on the message boards to ask you and uh, Carvey Harvey Hyde about this as well. 
uh, about the uh, Dan Wetzel column that came out this week. Did you? Uh, I think you ended up reading that one, right? Um, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, it's the. Uh, if, it, we talked about it in the last segment a little bit. But basically, he was kind of tongue in cheek blaming USC on the woes of the Pac 10 because USC recruits everybody and takes all the best players and doesn't really leave anyone. Um, left for the rest of the Pac-10. It was it was kind of funny, and some people on the message boards took it very seriously, and other, people's didn't, other people didn't. But it to me, it just seemed more like a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing, making an excuse for the rest of the Pac-10. Uh, but I just want to get your overall thoughts on, on that Wetzel piece. You, you know, you know that, that, I think it's think that one of the things that I find most remarkable about USC football is, you know, the team's ability to recruit four- and five-star premier players at positions where they'll back up for three years. I think that is phenomenal. I have no idea how they do that, honestly. Especially now. Like, I like to think that I've got my pulse on the, on the younger generation, I've got, that I've got a good beat on what, what's going on with the kids. And, um, you know, I know at least in my generation, I've talked about this, I think, with you, and I've talked about it. I mean, people feel entitled. Younger people, a lot of young people feel very entitled to doing things quickly. I mean, obviously, why do you think it's such a big deal when players get recruited that they want to know that they can play? You know, how soon can I play? And I think that one of the things that Pete Carroll has done, uh, and I don't know how, is he's managed to keep guys who are fourth and fifth string relatively happy for the most part. I mean, sure, you lose guys here and there and stuff like that. But, I mean, at this point, I mean, you know, you look at you lose a guy like Emmanuel Moody, right, who is a good, very good player, USC, and you lose him, and it's like, eh, that's one less guy we have to worry about. I mean, it's a miracle how they, how they do that. And I think... I think that there's probably some credence to the fact that, you know, when you're third string at USC, you'd feel pretty confident, you know. I mean, obviously, you saw what the third string did to Washington State. You know, I mean, like, yeah, there's there's more talent, more depth at USC than there is anywhere else in the Pac-10. And I think that, you know, had – I don't know. I think it's funny. I, I like it. I, I think it's an interesting thought, and I think that – from a common standpoint, I mean, it poses an interesting question. I mean, you know, would USC be better off if the Pac-10 was better? Certainly. And one way for the Pac-10 to be better would be for Pete Carroll not to hog other good players. <laughs> one of the, uh, I, I think, if you listen to Pete Carroll talk about it, and I think you have to get a certain type of player, they have to have, you know, you have a priority as if you're coming into a school, you're being recruited by schools, you have to have your priority list. And if immediate playing time is one of them, you know, it's not necessarily the best place for you. If, you know, you have to be completely confident in your abilities, and a lot of these kids are, but they have to know that if there's, you know, three or four other four- and five-star guys that are there already and they've been in the system for a while, it's going to be harder for me to work my way up through it. Yeah, the freaks of nature guys are just going to jump right up to the top probably and play, but that's not for everybody. I I think one of the guys that got away, you didn't really get to see him. He's uh, actually doing pretty well for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles right now. But Deshaun Jackson was a guy I talked to Ed Orgeron about before, and Ed was really recruiting him. And last year I bumped into Orgeron down at the uh, Senior Bowl, and he ran into Deshaun Jackson. His family were down there. He had declared for the NFL draft. And um, Orgeron was like, you know, he really loved Orgeron. You could tell that Deshaun Jackson was was recruited by him and really enjoyed being around Ed Orgeron. But in the end... You know, something came over him, and he decided that there's so many good, talented receivers at USC already. I'm going to go to Cal and be the man. And you know, some some USC fans gave him crap, and they would call him Mishon, and they enjoyed 
seeing Kevin Ellison or Taylor Mays plant their shoulder pads into his face and, and just really <laughs> knock him out of games. But I mean, I, I don't blame a kid for doing that, for oh, picking no. that, but it's, it's definitely, I mean, you have to go in with a different kind of attitude if you want to come to USC and it, it's, that's not for everybody. It's not. And I think it can break you pretty quickly. Um, I think that there's scenarios where a player, you know, might be waiting a year or two, for chances, and then, you know, they might even do well with those chances, but still, they're still trailing three or four other guys that are really, really good players. And I think that that's something that, you know, it, it does take a, it takes a very mentally strong player to be successful at it. And I think that, you know, some guys can make it, some guys can't. And I would never fault a player, personally, for choosing to go to a school where he felt he would have a better chance for success at. I mean, that's, isn't that the, that's the idea. I think when you pick a college, just to go to the place that's best for you. And, you know, some players thrive in USC's competition-driven environment. Others don't, and it's simple as that. Yeah, if you, and even, you can't know what to do. I mean, everyone, you make decisions all, all day, every day of your life. And you look at, like, the Emmanuel Moody decision to go, if there was family pressure or whatever. It turns out, you know, there was enough guys that got hurt that Moody probably would have been starting, you know, if he was if he stayed healthy. And now he goes to Florida where they essentially didn't have any running backs, it seems, and he's third string now. So I'm not sure. He's got his coach calling timeouts in the game to get him some extra reps. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, the grass isn't always greener. You're going to have competition just about anywhere. Maybe not as much competition at a place like USC or a place like Florida. Teams that are the most talented in the country. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, you're going to see competition wherever you go. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I just think that it's, it's more um, hyper-obvious when you look at those elite programs that are just stacked. That, you know, like, like places like USC where you can go, you know, three deep at, at pretty much any position and you're dealing with, you know, Army All-Americans who are stuck on the bench, you know. And, and that's another interesting thing, too, is that none of these guys are used to being on the bench. No. So, no, you yeah. go from being yeah, highly recruited and the, the man playing both sides of the ball to you get into school and you're kind of like pond scum. And it's, it's just, you start at the <laughs> bottom. You start at the bottom, i got to work your way back up again. Yeah. All right. All right, Dan, hey, this was uh, our longest segment ever with uh, Dan Wecky. Did you enjoy that? I had a great time. I'm exhausted. Yeah, we did a we did it a little different this week. We only had a two segment podcast because we had some other stuff we had to take care of. But hopefully, you guys, everyone out there, enjoyed it. We had uh, Harvey Hyde in the first segment and Dan Wykey in the second segment. So, Dan, hope you had fun and thanks for your insights there. No problem, Russ. Take it easy. Everyone else, we will be back next week talking USC football. We'll break down that game with Cal. And then talk about the rest of the upcoming schedule and all the all-important BCS. So stay tuned and enjoy your week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can now download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player. Just search for Peristyle Podcast the next time you log into iTunes.